It is Easter, the holiest of days for our Christian siblings. A day that for many years of my life served as the cornerstone of my faith. I know that many Unitarian Universalists often have a tough time with what to do on Easter. Often you use Sunday services that fall on Easter, migrate towards the let's talk about paganism or spring or rebirth or eggs, all so we don't have to talk about Jesus. But I want to talk about Jesus. I like Jesus. <clears throat> I'll start by reminding us all that both the Unitarians and the Universalists were Christians, albeit Christians who very early on questioned the resurrection story, questioned the divinity of Jesus, and questioned the value of a human sacrifice narrative. We Unitarian Universalists sitting here today are descendants of those questioners. We may no longer identify as Christian in any way, although some among us do, but to ignore our roots and our ancestors who attempted to engage with the mystery of the Christ differently than the dominant Christian authority is too easy an out and hinders us from having an understanding of our relationship with Jesus the man. As many of you already know, I was raised Roman Catholic in a working class New Jersey, New York City based family and Easter was central to the belief system and celebration calendar of my family. My mother is one of seven children, so any holiday meant a gathering of easily 40 people. And for most of my life, my mother and father hosted Easter at our small house in Bergen County. By the time I was in my teens, I was preparing a multi-course dinner for this large and unruly group with my mom. And this practice continued for 30 years until about eight years ago when I and my then 73-year-old parents said that enough was enough. We'd have to mark this auspicious occasion in a less exhausting way. At that point, I was already on my path to Unitarian Universalist ordination and actively trying to find or rediscover my relationship with and understanding of Jesus. I had remained culturally Catholic, which really just means very Italian, but I wanted the theology to make sense for me, and by extension my daughter, who was being raised UU, but was by default culturally Catholic. These large family gatherings demonstrated the importance of the day and the traditions of my people for ages, but they didn't engage me in a true spiritual reckoning of the significance of Easter. Since becoming a UU 16 years ago, I have liked to and still like to discuss with my still Catholic parents UU theology around Jesus. My dad and I regularly dive into debates about the Trinity, which our first Unitarian martyr, Michael Servetus, did his best to disprove through rigorous scriptural analysis. For his efforts, he was burned at the stake in 1553 as a heretic. When we talk about Easter, we must remember 
the meaning of our unitarianness or the oneness of God, which by extension reminds us that Jesus was not in fact God. He was the son of God as much as we are all the children of God. While I fully embrace being a Unitarian and thus reject the Trinity, the bigger questions for me, and I imagine maybe for many of us gathered here, are around the resurrection. When the stone was rolled away from the tomb and Jesus' body wasn't there, where had it gone? Was it really a bodily resurrection? What would that even mean? Bodies can't just disappear, can they? And yet the tomb was empty. Jesus' physical form was not there. And then, hours and days after his death, his reporters his followers reported seeing him. I believe that they were having visions of their lost friend, teacher, lover, child, much like many of us have dreams and visions when we lose someone we hold dear. And since we are talking about stories recorded 2,000 years ago about a person who decidedly was like no other, it makes sense that their visions and spiritual encounters with Jesus would feel so real. Feel so real that it drove them to keep him alive via his teachings. Biblical scholars debate these sightings, and for those of us who shy away from the supernatural and the unexplainable, maybe by science and reason, there is probably a simple, grounded in reality reason for where his body went and who may have taken it. However, that information is not what was recorded, and it is not what led to the resurrection narrative. And thus, it makes more sense to me to grapple with what resurrection can mean to those of us who don't believe in the actual physical resurrection of Jesus Christ. We must start with the person of Jesus. Jesus was a pretty radical cat. I like to refer to him as a socialist, rabble rouser, teacher, leader, healer, prophet, or simply a person who walked the walk and not just talked the talk. One of my favorite theologians, which we heard from earlier, I turn to him for all things Jesus, Marcus Borg. Annually, I pick up his book during Holy Week entitled The Last Week. And I also went back and revisited Jesus at 2000 where our reading came from. Borg writes about a pre-Easter Jesus and a post-Easter Jesus. Borg paints the pre-Easter Jesus as a spirit person or a person who had vivid experiences of the sacred. He calls Jesus a healer, a wisdom teacher, a social prophet, and a movement instigator. Jesus and his early followers were Jewish, and Jesus was actually calling his followers to a more disciplined practice of scripture and deeper respect for the ways of God. He had no intention of forming a new religion. 
So this multifaceted fellow who roamed the land, teaching, healing, instigating, found himself in the crosshairs of empire. The Roman Empire, not keen on having dissenters in their lands, decided to silence him. He was brutally crucified by the Romans, a common practice designed to instill fear among the masses and placed in a tomb. And then as we know, when Mary Magdalene and Mary, Jesus's mother, returned to the tomb to perform their burial rituals, they had found that he was no longer there. And thus begins the invention of post-Easter Jesus. For in Christian scripture, we read that Jesus has risen from the dead, he has been resurrected. As a result, he becomes Lord, King, and his sacrifice, the sacrifice of his life, washes away sins. But I would argue that that was not what pre-Easter Jesus was all about. The sacrifice narrative was added after his death, and when I look at the things done in Jesus's name in the many years hence, I have to wonder why did the Jesus died for your sins narrative overpower the Jesus died for your release from oppression narrative? And what harm has that caused and continues to cause today? Now Jesus's death came at a time when oppression was the norm. The Romans, wizards of engineering and politics, were also masters of invasion, enslavement, and violence in many forms. The majority of folks living under this regime wanted release, to be freed from unnecessary suffering, and perhaps through the death of this subversive figure, they saw a way out. Jesus was crucified for sedition, because he dared to call out the Roman Empire and the corrupt Jewish hierarchy at the time for putting the rule of man over the rule of God. Meaning he called empire out for its greed, its violence, its claim of superiority, and its claim of holiness, while he encouraged or maybe admonished his fellow Jews to live more deeply into the Torah by loving one another and creating and living the kingdom of God on earth. He was inviting his friends and followers to embrace and be the divine light instead of being party to the destructive methods of the ruling class. I think we lose so much of what Jesus can offer us when we reduce him to a sacrificial lamb. When we focus on his resurrection, his transcending of death, death, we miss out on the values he was teaching us through his life. His wisdom and near constant reminders via his preaching and teaching for us to care for the poor and sick to not shun the ill and those of ill repute, to take meals with those whom society casts out, to embrace women and men alike for who they are, not for what societal norms dictate, to renounce worldly goods and accumulation of wealth. 
All these, to me, feel way more impactful than accepting that his death paved a direct path to heaven. And while I say this, I fully understand that that path, that escape, was totally necessary and gave people rest and hope and peace and maybe a psychological release from their oppression. But perhaps instead of the resurrection being about a future that may or may not be real, the resurrection was and is a spiritual resurrection to create that kingdom of peace and justice here on earth right now. And we sure do need it. Here we are in 2023. And we have mostly gotten through a pandemic that took almost 7 million lives around the world. That pandemic also magnified for all of us just how unequal our society is. The wealthiest 1% of our society make decisions so they can continue to control fully 50% of the wealth, while more and more people slip into poverty. For many, a poverty that is literally inescapable. In the United States, we have subpar health care that costs too much. The leading cause of death among children is gun violence. Lawmakers and judges across the country have rammed through laws to deny the rights of our trans siblings, our undocumented siblings, and the right of bodily autonomy for women. We are awash in misinformation from top elected officials and spurious news sources. We see vanity supersede compassion. We witness the power of greed, corruption, and corporate malfeasance. Folks who call themselves Christian or religious blatantly eschew what divine law calls us to do, to love one another, to care for the least of our people, to respect the interconnected web of all life and to honor the dignity of all beings. Furthermore, as a people, we are exhausted and overworked and we are duped into buying self-help books and wellness experiences so we continue, can continue to be slaves to the capitalist machine all while we continue to lose our connection to that which is sacred, that which we might call divine, including our own blessedness. I was one of those people during the pandemic when folks were saying, I can't wait back, get back to business as usual or get back to normal. And I would respond, I hope we never go back to normal. Let's instead create a new normal that's not exploitative and corrupt and focused on power and money. I want more simplicity, more security, more love and reverence and openness and compassion. I am personally waiting for the inevitable fall of empire, the end of capitalism, and the structures and institutions that empire creates to enslave, demean, kill, exploit, and oppress us. Thus, I am reframing Jesus' resurrection, not as a literal raising of the dead, or even a substitutional pathway to eternal life, but rather a resurrection of the spirit, of mine 
and yours to fully embody all that Jesus stood for and modeled for us. We must pick up where Jesus left off and fight the forces of empire that seek to undo, divide, and oppress. I am tired of the rule of man, accent on man, apologies, superseding the rule of love, divinity, justice, God, and nature. I would like to have our resurrection be a rebirth into something more spiritual, interconnected, and just. So I ask, how far will you go to ensure this spiritual resurrection? What will you embody? How will you resist the forces of empire? Are there things that you are willing to give up or release yourself from? Are there sacrifices you will make or risks you will take? Are there things you are willing to unlearn, relearn, or learn for the first time? Are you willing to commit to a different way of living to counter the forces that undermine your spirit? If you need guidance, I share these words from theologian Howard Thurman, who said, don't ask what the world needs. Ask what makes you come alive and go do it, because what the world needs is people who have come alive. As you consider this resurrection of your spirit, of finding what makes you come alive that can usher in a worldly transformation, and as we consider the resurrection of our collective spirit as Unitarian Universalists who seek a more just and peaceable kingdom of community in the here and now, imagine the world you want to see and go forth and build it. May we all be born anew with a spirit of resistance and transformation. May we learn from the person of Jesus how to stand against corruption and empire. May we resurrect the light inside us and share it with the world. May it be so. Hi, and welcome to our Getting the Message section, where we dive a little bit deeper into the themes of our service. Today, you get to join us from a special location from our nursery, uh, because both the minister's office and the RE office are under construction. So it's nice, new, new view for folks. Spring is a time of renewal, so construction <laughs> is renewal of offices. Yeah, I think you can you can make that work, Amber. Yeah, it's resurrection. Some might say resurrection, resurrection of our of offices. A, yes, well, resurrection also means revitalizing. So uh, we often think of it only in the resurrection of the Christ concept, but it also could mean revitalization. And those offices were in need of a revitalization. Most certainly. I'm I'm excited to see the final product. Yeah. And so, Reverend Lanius, it's great to have you here for Easter. I'm thrilled to be here for Easter. Always a fun and exciting day. Um, you might hear slightly in the background the 20 person choir and huge band is currently practicing. And it was hard to find a room where you couldn't hear that in. So uh, it's nice if it bleeds in, it adds a little more. Yes, ambiance. Yes. We believe in ambiance here. Fair. So, 
one of the things that I've joked about with people, um, especially like when I'm explaining that I'm UU and I talk about the work I do and um, and then they're like, well, you probably aren't very busy on Easter then. And I'm like, well, actually, instead of just being busy on the Christian holidays, I'm just busy on all the holidays. Yeah, right. <laughs> we, have, we have a broad ca uh, calendar of options. Yeah. Right. We get, we get busier at stranger times. Mm -hmm. But for a lot of people, coming to uh, 4th U on, on Easter is something that a lot of people do mm -hmm. and feel like it's a very special time and a very special service that we uh, spend time on. So. What does it mean to celebrate Easter as Unitarian yeah. Universalist? Yeah, well, you, in the sermon, I covered some of that. I'll re, uh, reiterate because, uh, you know, so as I said in the sermon, I'm, I was raised Catholic, right? So Easter has is a pretty big deal for my people, right? And then when I became a UU, I, you know, I, even before I became a UU and certainly before I even was a minister, I questioned a lot of the things that we now, we question as Unitarian Universalists. So I guess it was sort of, natural that I gravitated to Unitarian Universalism, but um, the, the, since our theology does actually not um, include the risen Christ concept or the resurrection or the notion of forgiveness of sins or an absolution or, or as I even use the phrase in my sermon, human sacrifice, because when it gets reduced to that, that I, you know, I know it's a funny thing to say, but that's like, when you talk to some people, it's the language is, it's a theology joke, exactly, which makes more sense in the sermon, right? right? You know, yeah. but like, you know, it's people true. use that language as like the sacrificial lamb or that he died yeah. for your sins. And that's not part of our theology. And I, I remind us that as Unitarians, what we are Christians, we're some of the oldest Christians, right? If you really do the math. Um, and, but we believe in this oneness of God, the unity, not the Trinity. So that makes Jesus not, God, but it doesn't mean he wasn't a divine being or a pretty amazing human that we can model ourselves after. Um, and while we don't think of the resurrection uh, the way others do, it doesn't mean Easter can't have significance for us who are uh, looking for teachers. And, and, and we view Jesus as a, you know, a prophet in our tradition. So it, it all falls in that way. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So why go the direction you did for your why why this message today for Easter? Well, you know, I I like talking about you know Jesus and the Jesus movement on Easter because I just don't want to. I mean, you, I feel like you could talk about spring any time after March twenty first, right? So like I like I I just feel like it's too reductive to then say, oh, let's not talk about Easter. Let's talk about spring. So I really wanted to talk about Jesus on Easter, and I like many of our UUs or you, because we have these conversations and my own kid and my students and the people in my life, like we look around the world and even if we just don't even make it all the way to the world, but even in our country and you just look at the layers of injustice and like the almost sadistic efforts of lawmakers to just completely, you know, to continue to strip people of their human rights, to figure out how to oppress and I, um, I think we all need to have some sense of a resurrection in our zeal to fight against these forces that actually use Christianity and use religious language as a weapon, and it's completely to, to the teachings of Jesus. Um, and so I was looking for this resurrection of spirit. That was the language I stuck with. And I remember talking to Rob, our music director, and I talked to a couple other people about it, you know, um, that resurrection may not mean the resurrected Christ, but it can mean 
the values and teachings of Jesus. And we can resurrect those because there is a lot of work to be done to dismantle these, you know, capitalism, which you and I talk about, right? And the attendant ills that come with working people to death and making it okay to separate and oppress right. and, um, and just be awful. Like we can't let people who are publicly awful keep winning, right? We, uh, people of conscience, need to like rise up and we are already doing this, but I think we got to get even more deliberate about it. We need to be stronger in it because the folks who are preaching hate and division can no longer win. Like it's time to shut them down. And that was where I guess my little fiery, it was like the angry spiritual person hey, there. Hey, you know, that's, that's what you use. Even, even you use can do that. Yeah, I think we're good we, at that, actually. We can't let that be only the ground of, you know, the evangelicals and their anger yeah, sometimes. Yeah, right. Because our anger, I feel like it's like an anger at injustice versus an anger of people not agreeing. Existence. At someone's existence. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if that's, you know, I don't want to get into the righteous anger conversation, but I think there is a piece in there that if you witness harm and injustice just like you know like jesus did he was witnessing these horrors from the roman empire and was like nah you know right like we're we my followers are going to renounce certain aspects of this harmful culture i'm going to ask hold people to task and we want to usher in a new a new kingdom a new way of doing it and we need the same that is a, a great place for us to leave Perfect. off there. All right. Thank you so much for Thanks. a challenging message, yeah. but also for sitting down with me. I had pleasure. I always have fun in chats. Mm -hmm.